Father, we praise you. We praise the Father. We praise the Son. God, we praise the Spirit, three in one. God, you deserve all the glory, all the praise, God. Holy, holy, holy are you who sits on the throne, who was and is and is to come. Father, God, we praise you. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you, Father, for what you did for us. God, that's what it's about. God, and I pray that if there's anybody here today that doesn't know that, that doesn't know you, that they would come to know you, Father. God, you're good. You are good. Father, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. It is in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 19. We finished last week in verse 11. And so today we are picking up the scripture in verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet, verse 18, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. We know the work of the Holy Spirit. We feel the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in us and makes us aware of the activity of the Lord in our life and around our life. All that we sense, all that we know, all that we feel, all that we see today as the activity of the Lord is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit distributes spiritual gifts in the body. And it's outshining. It's a manifestation of the presence of God. It's through the church. That's God's desire. That's what God wants. As we gather, as we encourage, as we instruct, as we challenge, as we nurture, as we disciple, as we minister to each other, as we love each other, as we forgive each other, as we show grace to one another, as we are God's people in activity, being obedient to what God has asked us to do. We visibly portray God. We show God off. We show God to the world. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
So the spiritual gifting that we receive at salvation that we learned to develop, we fan that flame, we encourage that gift, we, we learn to use that gift in the body of Christ, the world can see the work of the Holy Spirit and the church can experience the work of the Holy Spirit through the body. God, by His Spirit, is always choosing to be at work through a group of believers. That's important for us to understand. It is through together. It is through fellowship. It is through connection that we get to see the Holy Spirit at work. It's not through isolation. It's not through being a lone ranger. It's not through doing our own thing. So one of the dangers that we hear today is, I love Jesus, just not his church. We place ourselves in a danger of missing out what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And so, yes, we must endure the body of Christ at times. We must put up with the body of Christ sometimes. Love does cover a multitude of sins. We've got to put up with the difficult to love, the hard to deal with, the hard to relate with. But as we do, there is an outshining of the Holy Spirit through the body of Christ. The Spirit anoints us for ministry. And so the anointing that you may have for different kinds of ministry, that's by the Holy Spirit. You see, in that spiritual gift, it's a gift. It comes natural. It comes free. It comes easy. It's just in your wheelhouse. And the Spirit shows Himself off as He anoints people for ministry to do His work. The Spirit washes us and renews us. We know that from Titus 3.5. The Spirit washes us, washes us clean, cleans us from the inside out, and renews us, renews us all the time. The Holy Spirit is always at work renewing your faith, renewing your spirit's work, renewing your energy, your spiritual vitality. When, when, when you have that experience that you have been renewed, that your batteries have been recharged, that the, the hope that you have heard has done something in you. It's, it's made you warm inside. It's encouraged your spirit. It's, it says to you, move on more. Go forward. Don't quit. Keep on going. It's going to be all right. Just move forward in faith. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's always renewing us. You probably had the same experience I've had. I read through Romans 8 every day and look at that. Man, what a deal it's done in my life. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, renewing my spirit with His Spirit. He washes us and renews us. The, the, the Holy Spirit is the force of the Lord. It's the power of God. The, the Holy Spirit has the assignment from our Father to bring unity and oneness in the body. We read that in Ephesians 4, 3. We read that in Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. He plays the role in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to bring about unity in the body of Christ. It's a tough assignment, isn't it? Isn't it amazing all the things that causes disunity in the body? Satan causes disunity. In Proverbs, it says that that one of the things that God absolutely detests is when dissension is sowed in the family of God. And so the Holy Spirit works 24-7, works among God's people to bring, to bring unity, 
to bring love, to bring togetherness. And so when you experience unity in the body of Christ, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Rejoice over that. Worship Almighty God when you see that unity. When we come together and, and join our arms together and help each other and strengthen each other and, and put up our shields of faith together, man, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so any unity, any unity that you personally experience from the body of Christ is the work of the Holy Spirit. Fact is, it's impossible without the Holy Spirit. It can't be done. There is no way any group is going to have unity. I don't care what kind of group it is apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, without the work of the Holy Spirit, we're like the U.S. government. Oh my goodness. And I, I, I can't imagine what, it, what it's like inside that Congress halls now with, with, the, with the, the craziness that's going on. But you know as well as I do, you've walked through some church halls and it's been similar, right? There's no unity. There's no love. Because they're quenching, resisting, rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit. So it is possible for everybody of Christ, for every group of believers to have unity and love. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And one of the most amazing things is the Spirit. Having the Spirit in our lives is our guarantee of resurrection, of future resurrection. It is our hope. It, is, it says in Ephesians 1 that at salvation, for by grace you're saved through faith and not of yourselves, it's the gift of God and not of works, let's say you boast, and before that, it says that we are sealed with the Spirit for redemption. Work of the Holy Spirit to know that you're saved, to know that you're sealed, to know that it can't be taken away from you. I've always thought it would be horrible for seminary or college or high school or whatever it is, I get the phone call. I, ex I expected it early on, but now I guess we're not going to do it. For them to call you and say, hey, we have checked your record and we're rescinding your diploma. You know, you're hearing a little bit of that in politics these days. They're going to take away the diplomas of people because they're embarrassed by it, right, or whatever. But I've always thought, man, I, I, hope, this, I hope Southwestern Seminary never checks up on me and goes, we're not seeing evidence of education. <laughs> we, we, he's embarrassing to us, right? And so we're going to rescind that degree. But I don't know that it changed anything because of the work of the Holy Spirit. But we don't have to worry about that in salvation. God's not going to rescind that experience that we've had at salvation. So that's the work of the Holy Spirit. We feel it. We know it. We observe it. And and. It's an emotional thing. It's a knowledge thing. It's an understanding thing and an awareness thing. It's important for us to, to think about. So let's look at this scripture today. Verse 12. Verse 12 tells us that we do not have to live controlled by our sinful nature. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So when you're in that struggle and your sinful nature is winning, just realize this truth. 
You don't have to live in, under the obligation of that sinful nature. There is a way out. That's what Paul tells us about temptation. There is a way out. We do not have to give in to that temptation. We may give in to that temptation, but we do not have to. There is a choice in the matter. And if Jesus Christ lives in us through his spirit, right? Born again, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The same power that rose Christ from the grave, then frankly, in that struggle to overcome our sinful nature, we have opportunity. That's what the scripture tells us. We are under no obligation to do what the sinful nature says for us to do. Now, we may choose to let that happen, and God has, by his own choice, given us choice. That's hard for us. Why didn't God just make everybody do the right thing? Well, that's not love. And the thing that God wants from us the most is love. You young people, listen to me. Don't marry someone that you have to make love you. Because it's not going to go well. And matter of fact, don't be involved in a relationship that's very complicated. And, and you've got to, it just seems like the love thing is one-sided. Because if the love thing is one-sided, then you don't have enough to move forward in that relationship. Love is two ways. Love is two-sided. Love comes easy. There may be some difficulties along the way, but the love part comes easy. You may have to grow, develop, learn, be educated, learn how this works. That's just the part of growing in a relationship. But if you got to make love happen, back on up. It's too complicated, and it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. So God desires that we love him, we choose to love him. And one of the ways that we show that we love God is by keeping his commandments, and that is we resist that sinful nature. Verse 13, it says, For, you, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. This is spiritual life spiritual death you probably know people that you have observed their life and there just doesn't seem to be much life going on there's bitterness there's resentment there is um, unforgiveness there's just a crudeness about their life and and confessing believers but along the way they have chosen to not resist that sinful nature and they haven't resisted the sinful nature of anger, of unforgiveness, of bitterness. And it controls them. And, and all of us have enough reason to be bitter in this life. All of us. I mean, there's not any of us that, that have lived a life that, that we cannot point to some action of someone else or the word of someone else or some event and not be bitter. But we have a choice in the matter. And that is through the Holy Spirit. We choose to do what he asks us to do. And so life controlled by the sinful nature doesn't grow life, doesn't grow that abundant life. It's spiritual death, no life there. Verse 14. Verse 14 says to us, and here's one of the workings of the Holy Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. If you're wondering whether or not you are one of God's children, are you experiencing 
living according to the Spirit. Because this clearly says that if we're led by the Spirit of God, we're children of God. So you can look at this other way. If, if you do not have the ability to be led by the Spirit, you're not one of God's children. If it's not there, if it's just like, you know, shooting an air in the dark and always missing your mark when it comes to living according to the Holy Spirit, that's, you're not a believer. You haven't trusted. You haven't given. You haven't experienced. You've not been sealed with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit in us makes it possible for us to be led by the Holy Spirit. Let me just say to you that being led by the Holy Spirit not only gives us the evidence we need that we are God's children, but it's fun. It's rewarding. It's energizing. It's exciting to wake up in the morning. I, I encourage you to do this sometime. Wake up when you have, when your calendar is not full and the Holy Spirit doesn't have any part of that calendar. And it's just you and the Lord that day. Just say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And just simply do what the Spirit leads you to do. You be, there's no telling. And, and if a thought comes into your mind, if Lee Brewer pops in your mind, go see that rascal. And just walk up to him and say, hey man, the Holy, I prayed today and the Holy Spirit said to come see you. All right, here we go. Let's see what the Lord's going to do today. Why not? The Lord tells you to turn right, turn right. The Lord tells you to turn left, turn left. Well, that's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with His children. That we are led by His Spirit. His Spirit. It, remember, we talked about last week, living according to His Spirit, knowing what His Spirit wants, knowing the truth of God's words to us. It's not like being on a treasure hunt where God is hiding what He wants from us. No, it's all out in the open. And He wants His children to be led by His Spirit. And just do the things the Spirit leads you to do. Got to forgive so-and-so. Well, get on down the road. Forgive so-and-so. I, I need to encourage so-and-so. That he pops in mind, you know, I, I've been missing old George. I need to see George. I need to encourage George. I've been wanting to tell George the, what he meant to me when he helped me in that way or whatever it is, get on down the road. That's being led by the Spirit. Go tell George. George, you bless me. You strengthen me. Your words of encouragement, your words of advice, whatever it is, it really did something to me. The next thing, verse 15. So, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, that's what verses 12, 13, and 14 is speaking to us about. Different aspects of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Verse 15. So, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. And so, the presence of fear is the absence of the being led by the Spirit. So, you can tell right there whether or not you're being led by the Holy Spirit when you are controlled by fear, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's your spirit. That's the world. That's the circumstances overwhelming you. Because God does not desire that His children be controlled by fear because fear is the opposite of faith. And every time fear is present, and I'm not talking about respect for fire. I'm not talking about that kind of fear. I'm talking about that fear keeps you from living a life of faith. That's what he's speaking about here. We have not received that spirit. That's not the spirit that we received. And so the Holy Spirit works to produce faith. 
and diminish fear. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now, that idea of adoption, we have been adopted by God. It's important for us to understand this. We're not afraid because we are the adopted children of God. I know that many adopted children have troubles, right? And, and I don't want to make this way, you know, simplify something that I know is a very complicated matter at times. However, either the root of the trouble that adopted kids have, or at least some of the ingredients of the trouble that adopted kids have is this. They can't get over that someone didn't want them. They just can't get over that. For whatever reason, maybe their, their mom, you know, came with child too early in life and couldn't take care of I mean, the act of giving away the baby for adoption may indeed have been an act of love, but that child can't get over that. And, and they get stuck on that side, on that side of adoption, and that side of adoption is, I wasn't wanted. I wasn't wanted. Now, a liberating ex aspect of adoption is this. Don't dwell on that you weren't wanted. Dwell on you were wanted. I mean, you really were wanted. Those that adopted you chose you. Those that adopted you wanted you. And so you can look at those that adopted you and focus on how you have been blessed that you were desired that much that someone was, was wanting to take you into their family and make you one of their own. I have met very few adopted moms and dads that didn't see the adopted child as their child. I mean, there's an awareness of that. There's an understanding. Adoption is a beautiful thing. And, and, and so I believe that the work of the Holy Spirit here is for us to understand how beautiful it is that God chose us. God chose us. We have been adopted by God. And it wasn't just a biological experience. It's been a, an experience that later on, after physical birth, we have experienced when we became one of God's children. He adopted us. So this understanding is not we are not wanted, and so we were adopted, but we were wanted, so we are adopted. And that's a beautiful picture of the gospel. And so the Spirit, we receive God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. The word Abba is an Aramaic word that means Father. It's a close relationship with your Heavenly Father. It is a love relationship. It is a nurturing relationship. It is a special close-knit relationship. And so that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Not fearful. We have not received the spirit of fear through the Holy Spirit, the spirit of faith. We are adopted. We have been chosen. And we call him now Abba, Father. Look at verse 16. One of my favorite verses in all scripture. I love verse 16. I like to talk with people about verse 16. 
if someone talks with me and said they're questioning their salvation, they're doubting their salvation, we always end up, after First John study and look at all that, we always end up at Romans 8, 16. Let these words just sink in. Just receive this as it's spoken, the truth of these words. For His Spirit, okay? For the Holy Spirit joins with our spirit. Notice, His Spirit is capital S and our spirit is lower S. Right? So He's speaking about the Holy Spirit and our spirit. That's what's being spoken of there. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to do what? To affirm. So that affirming is a big deal. If the Holy Spirit has an assignment to affirm in us this awareness, this understanding, this is a real big deal to God. And that big deal is that we are God's children. So the Holy Spirit, in some kind of magical way, be a bad way to put this, and heresy may follow your thoughts with this, but a mystical, and I use the term mystical in only a positive way, mystical experience. The work of the Holy Spirit, His Spirit, the Creator Spirit, the resurrection power Spirit, speaks with our spirit and says to us, and, and frankly says to us in a way that, that each individual can best understand. It's an amazing thing how the Holy Spirit is able to communicate with us in a way that we best understand it. You are my child. You are God's child. You are saved. You are born again. You are one of God's children. You are. Have you heard the Spirit? Have you had an awareness of the Spirit's work in you? Have you heard that, that speaking to you? Maybe when you wonder, am I really God's child? Maybe when you think, am I really one of God's children? That in some way or another, maybe it's when you put your head on the pillow at night, maybe when you're driving on the road, maybe when you're going for a walk, maybe when you experience something, you hear, you feel, you become aware that you really are God's child. You're one of mine. You've received Christ. You've been born again. Trust me. Trust my words. You've done all that's necessary to become one of my children. You know me. I know you. You're one of mine. You have faith. You have love. You have my spirit. You have been, the, my spirit has been deposited in you as a guarantee that you really are one of my children. You've had that, hadn't you? The Holy Spirit has just spoken to your spirit. And, and I don't know where it is. I don't know if it's in our mind, in our heart. I don't know if it's in our throat. I don't know where it is. Wherever the center of the being is, we have a knower. And that knower is how we come to know that we are God's child. So His Spirit, the one that created everything, the one that has redeemed us and, and has refreshed us and renews us and works in us and guides us and teaches us and convicts us, He affirms with our spirit that we really are God's children. And so if, if, if there's a question for you, 
If you're not really sure, listen. Listen to His Spirit. What do you hear deep down in your soul? What do you hear deep down in your spirit? What is your knower? What is your point of awareness speaking to you about? Is it saying to you, yes, you are my child? Or is it saying, no, I want you to be my child and you're not mine yet? He will reveal that to you. And then he walks along and he finishes up in verse 17 and 18 for us in, in this mindset in what we're talking about today in, in the, the topic. Verse 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs, we're beneficiaries. We're on the, we're on the life insurance policy. <laughs> we, our name is in, is in the will. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with, with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. The wonderful thing about uh, resurrection is, is that we don't have to wait for the beneficiary blessings to come after his death because he's already died and rose again. And so those blessings begin now. They begin at salvation. When the Holy Spirit resides in us, those wonderful pieces and aspects, facets like a diamond of God's glory, we start sharing in. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in His glory, we must also share in His suffering. So we share in His glory, and as His beneficiaries, we share in His suffering. But because of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, our perspective is different. It's not, oh no, this is horrible, we are going to suffer, but the Holy Spirit works in us. Obviously, it's got to work in this way that we get to share in His suffering. We get to glorify Him. We get to honor Him through suffering. We get to paint a beautiful portrait, a crystal clear 2020 focused portrait of Jesus Christ through suffering. So we either receive the glory and or we receive the sufferings. In either case, we share in His glory and we share in His suffering. And if just perhaps you're just really bothered by that suffering part, look at verse 18. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. Wow. A lot of godly people have suffered in life. Y'all know some. I know some. I have often wondered why in the world does it seem this person, this family, this situation, why has there been so much suffering in these folks? The promise we have because of the work of the Holy Spirit is this, that there is going to come a day for everyone that suffers for the Lord. That when that time comes, there is going to be an awareness either before heaven or after we go to heaven where we see that the suffering that we experience now is nothing compared to the glory that he's going to reveal to us later. I've often had this thought when someone says they died too young. 
I can't believe that the Lord took them away. And, and even if there's anger at God because they took this loved one too early, it shouldn't happen. And, and we can all agree with that, right? We, we love to see a 95-year-old that's lived the best life imaginable go to be with the Lord. We're going, man, that's wonderful. But a younger person, we don't, we don't have that. It's a struggle for us. But if we could see what God sees in heaven, we would have a different opinion of that. I mean, so from God's perspective, it's almost, to me, I, I just see through the throne of God when, when those prayers are ascending like incense into the throne room of God and where people say, oh God, why did you allow someone to suffer? Well, one day you will understand when you see this place and when you see this experience that we've got in heaven, you're going to understand because that's what this verse says. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he revealed to us later. That glory we can't define now. That glory we can't understand now. That glory, I don't, I don't care how gifted a preacher is, he can't paint the portrait that helps us all go, ah, that glory. It's so wonderful we can't even describe it. And so if you do suffer, rejoice. The Bible tells us that over and over and over. The ability to rejoice in that suffering is by the Holy Spirit. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Because there is this promise right here in the word of the Lord. You can trust it. You can believe it. You can take it to the bank with you, they say. It is cash on the barrel head. You ever heard an old, old man say cash on the barrel head? That's what he's talking about. By George, he's going to lay that cash out there and you can reach out there and get that cash. It is guaranteed. I'm going to give you 2500 for that GMC truck. Are you really? How are you going to get cash on the barrel head? You can go get it. You can trust me on that. I mean, we've got cash on the barrel head here that the glory that we are going to see is going to make any suffering seem like it never, ever happened. That's something to rejoice over, isn't it? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And if there is an awareness, if right now, if, if verse 18 has renewed your spirit, if verse 18 has caused you to say amen, to rejoice, only the Holy Spirit can accomplish that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us just to soak up Romans 8. Help us to learn from it. Help us to grow from it. Thank you, Lord, for your affirming work through your Spirit that speaks with our spirit that helps us to know that we are your children. We rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen.